Hello, everybody. Um, uh, this is, I think, the third in our series of, of podcasts talking about our, our favorite our favorite uh, topic, uh, tax technology. So I'm joined again by my uh, digital donuts, uh, Mustafa, Jano, and, and, and Elliot. So, so we're here um, just debating this afternoon, um, changing focus a little bit, but talking a little bit more about um, governments and the role of, of government in, in tax, uh, particularly as it pertains to what we're seeing in, in our practice in, in the Middle East region. Um, and there's been lots happening in this parts of the world from um, uh, a government perspective, particularly as it pertains to the digitization of, of, of tax. Um, so, so we thought what we would do today is we'd sort of springboard a conversation into what some are calling um, tax administrations or tax authority 3.0. Um, so, so we're debating a little bit, I guess, the, the nomenclature of, of what 3.0 means. Um, in other words, what, what was 1.0, what was 2.0, and, 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 and what do we think uh, 3.0 is? Uh, diving into that a little bit more, what, what, what does that mean? What does that mean globally? What does that mean in the region? Uh, all of that to say, you know, what, what do we expect to see from taxing authorities as they, you know, go to, to continue taxing taxpayers and administering tax. And, and I, th I think why this topic, gentlemen, is, is particularly relevant is um, coming out of COVID, hopefully coming out of COVID, in, inshallah, in the, in, the next, in the next little while, um, and seeing taxing authorities potentially looking for ways to increase revenue to, to the coffers to, to pay for what we've, what we've all been through over the past, I guess, year and a half. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's any secret that we'll probably see, or a lot of people are suggesting we'll see tax rates increase, taxing authorities become more aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. So, so when you look at it through that lens and you also look at it through the lens of taxing authorities increasingly using technology and digitization, um, you know, what, what's, what's, what's that world going to look like? Um, so, so maybe, maybe Elliot, I know you've, you've given a little bit of thought to 3.0 and, 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 and you know, viewed a little bit on what what the OECD and others have have, have, have said. What what do you, how are we defining three Like, what does that mean? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I I would say the way to look at three is probably to build it up from what is a tax authority one point uh, I think it helps if you plot it out on a path of what it was and what it's moving to, and that helps you give you a context of really what it is. So, if you think about the not too distant past and Perhaps in some countries is still the case where it's tax authority 1.0. That was all manual driven. That was all papers. That was all folders. That was in my day, a trolley coming around with files that were too heavy to lift off the trolley and, and, and read. And, and that was only 20 odd years ago. Now, as the economy has changed and people have changed how they interact with each other and with institutions, we saw a move to 2.0. And that's the use of email, of electronic filing, um, of communicating with um, people through the through uh, telephones, and but also through digital means as well. So we pretty much agree that for most of the tax authorities, certainly the ones that we deal with, they're at 2.0 already. The step that they're taking now for 3.0, that's where it becomes far more digitally interconnected um, uh, amongst the department itself with other similar government departments but also, also the taxpayer themselves. They become uh, a part of the extended 
tax authorities ecosystem. So they will have some insight into how you behave, uh, what you file, when you file it, and they have visibility and control um, over the numbers and data you're responding and be able to react to that instantly. They'll be data driven um, and they'll be able to do this all in real time. So what we see is a far more integrated existence between uh, taxpayer, tax collector and taxpayer. So is, is this the what, what some have sort of prophesized and I think we've we've talked about before, is, is this the imminent death of the tax return? Is, is 3.0 really governments, you know, sucking the data out of an organization's ERP, connecting it with their financial information and sort of saying, OK, right, Elliot, here's 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 your tax return. Uh, I've, I've pre-populated it for you based on the information that I was able to get, uh, sign it or or revise it. But but basically, we're, we're sort of digitizing the whole ecosystem, sort of. Yeah, well, let's, let's step back and think about that uh, premise, because if you think about how taxes were filed, and I think it's always good to get a position on these things by looking at how things were done, because if you step back uh, for 100 years, you go 100 years in advance, the idea that we were at the end of the year calculating our uh, our profits and deducting our expenses and making adjustments, I think it's going to seem like antiquated and, and, and slightly absurd that that's how we calculated taxes. But that's how things were being done 20, 30 years ago. Now it's a lot more real time. And so when you talk about tax administration 3.0, I think you're absolutely right. The idea is, is that all this data exists somewhere in the cloud or also known as someone else's server. Mm -hmm. Why does it need to reside um, with taxpayers? Why can't it reside or coexist with the tax authorities at the same time? And they can best enable compliance and help those that want to be compliant uh, and better uh, stop uh, tax fraud and tax emissions off the light instantly before they happen. Because I, I think certainly, and uh, Jano's the most recent of us to live in Europe, can talk about the amount that has been lost through evasion uh, and the amount that's been lost through tax fraud and, and potentially how tax 3.0 could help that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and, and if you look at the European Union, for example, we know that in 2018, um, all the EU countries lost a total of 140 billion euros. Uh, on VAT, on value-added tax alone. So that's what's called the, the VAT gap. And, and it's, of course, a huge amount. And that's, that is because tax authorities are not able to audit each and every taxpayer. So, you know, it, it becomes easy almost for fraudulent taxpayers to, to, to not pay tax, um, but also on taxpayers that have, you know, that are willing to comply, but simply make, make little mistakes here and there. Uh, those mistakes are not found because tax authorities don't have the capacity to send an army of, of auditors to, to, to the companies and to, to see if everybody paid the right amount of, right amount of tax. Yeah, I mean, what, that's a very good point. And that is my old passion. And I know a lot of that, that uh, disappearing revenue would have been driven by uh, missing trader fraud, carousel fraud. And what you have in there is sophisticated criminal gangs that will operate across the world who would extract uh, VAT revenues fraudulently, and they would do it very, very quickly. They would make hundreds of millions of dollars or pounds or euros within a few months and then disappear again. So for that, you need a real-time response. You can't wait six months. You need to have that data. You need to be able to spot trends and you need to be responsive. So I think that's where the tax authorities are looking at how do we stop this? And it's by acting quickly and effectively. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's super interesting when you said earlier, and I hadn't really thought about it this way before, but when you think about <clears throat> tax data, 
uh, and and filing tax returns, you know, not being a once a year activity, but sort of something that happens, you know, on, on an ongoing basis. And and I do think when when you look at VAT as as a transactional tax, and you know, in a lot of regions, uh, you know, VAT tends to be the tax that drives the the technology bus. If you know what I mean? Like like it's it's sort of the first step towards automation is a lot of organizations focus on VAT. Mm. Corporate tax, income tax tends to tends to see technology seems 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 to see technology enablement, but it but it lags a little bit the the, the VAT cycle. Um, it will be interesting to see, you know, governments take I, I don't know if this is too much of a stretch, but governments take and use technology to, to actually change how, how organizations are filing corporate income tax. Like, like who is saying that? I mean just because you file your financial statements once a year if technology enables you to pay corporate income tax on a on an adjusted basis um, more regularly than that, or in a different time frame, you know wh- why not? Because it is sort of a real time world. Mm. But but certainly, if we turn it back to to VAT, VAT is something that most organizations pay and remit on a monthly basis. It's certainly something that we all, as customers and as as organizations, uh, pay, collect, and and remit on on a regular daily basis in, in, in some cases. Mm-hmm. So, so it's often the most, uh, the, be- the best use case, the best case study for looking at technology and how, how you can manage, how you can manage tax. And, and I think we're, we're leading up to something here. Like we're leading up to, uh, when you think about, um, e-invoicing platforms and, and the utilization of those platforms, either around the world or as we're seeing in the Middle East, um, really help close that tax gap that, that, that Jenna was referring to. That VAT gap. I, I think I think they do much more than that, but that certainly is the most obvious or sort of the headline view of why why a government would implement an e-invoicing platform would be to help to help close that gap from from a VAT perspective. And, and we're going to come back and, and talk about e-invoicing in in, in our next session and, and focus on it. But just on that point alone, Mustafa, um, uh, that, do, you, do you agree with those comments? Like, do you think do you think uh, e-invoicing is the next uh, logical, tangible step in digital tax authority 3.0, or is or is there something in the middle? Maybe it's a very good question. Um, I think if you look at basically the different layers of digital innovation within the tax administration space, I think we can all largely agree that e-filing is something that is pretty much available, running, in action in most you know modern tax authority jurisdictions across the world. And the natural evolution to, you know, performing electronic filing would then be collecting data in real time. And so, to answer your question from an IT standpoint, it makes sense if if taxpayers are already uh, collating and sending data in a in an electronic format using online means, then the next stage is to then get the data, which forms the basis of the return. For example, from a VAT perspective, so that tax authorities then can reconcile. Uh, returns pretty much as soon as they arrive through their uh, you know, through their system. So yeah, I, I think in a nutshell that would be my um, my perspective. But I think um, invoicing is just a natural progression of the digitization journey. And, and and the reason why I think that is that although maybe for the Middle East region, uh, invoicing is the natural progression on authority's journey here. Uh, I don't think it's the end. Um, th- there'll be multiple layers of you know, digital evolution that will take place after that. Because if we consider that once authorities have your transactional data 
in a real-time manner, then what that leads governments to do next is then it allows them to basically take that data and match that with other forms of data. So that's where the concept of e-matching comes into play. And that becomes even more of a powerful tool for spotting fraud. But that's not available e-matching, but that would be the next step. Then after that, you'd have then the concept of e-auditing, which would be somewhat linked to e-invoicing, because once you have that data, once you have matching of data with other forms of uh, um, information being sent from other agencies, then uh, governments or authorities are better informed and better equipped using the latest technologies to perform audits before returns are even received. And so that would be layer four. And then ultimately you get to the stage of performing assessments where, you know, no longer do you need uh, tax forms or returns to be submitted. Everything will be automated at the point of when a transaction takes place. And yes, uh, I think it goes back to one of the points raised earlier on that might eventually lead to the death of the tax, tax return, because why would there be a need for governments to collect data based on forms when everything is digitally enabled through, through data communication using the power of the internet? I think that would be the goal of, you know, digital administration, digital tax authority 3.0, and that would be my definition of it. So, so that's so that's helpful, Mustafa. I think I think that's that's a good summary of, of you know how certainly how we think about the the pillars in this paradigm shift that we're on between you know what what Elliot described as uh, taxing authority 2.0 to, to 3.0, or or maybe what you described as even 3.0 plus or 3.0 and beyond. Um, and as I said, we'll we'll come back and, and get into e-invoicing you know a, a little bit more because I think it, it deserves probably a, a separate session. But if, if we were to just unpack this a little bit more, so let's bring it down, guys, to the to the grassroots, particularly in this part of the world. Like if we if we imagine in, you know, in some countries, maybe sooner than others, but within the next year or two, uh, Saudi, the UAE, you know, potentially Qatar, um, maybe some others are, are are really progressing in their in their 3.0 journey from a taxing authority perspective. What does that mean for taxpayers? Like we, we've been talking about it a little bit at the, the sort of theoretical level, but if, I, if I'm filing VAT returns, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm hooked into an e-invoicing system, if I'm buying goods or selling goods across borders, um, you know, really like in the next three years, am I, am I having an auditor come out and kind of knock on my door and, and, and want to see my books and records or, or do they have all the information already? Like what, what do we, what do we think taxpayers should prepare for? Should they be scared, or is this is this actually going to be a, a positive thing for them because because it, it's 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 automated? It's, you know, as, as long as everything is accurate, it's it's sort of less less work to deal with the, the good old fashioned audit. I'll reflect on your scared response because it reminds me of a, one of the war stories of when I was a VAT inspector back in the olden days when it was in <laughs> black and white, and I could tell pretty much how that inspection was going to go within the first few minutes of actually being there and meeting someone. And the worst thing I could ever hear from someone I arrived at a visit was, I'm glad you're here. For some companies that were compliant and spent time and had decent systems, reviewed their data, uh, employed an effective auditor, they saw it as a free health check. Mm. Like, we want to have good governance, we want to understand that we're doing things right, and you want to make aware of the mistakes, and please, by all means, give us a report afterwards. We're, we're happy to entertain you. Uh, and of course they did. So as a tax inspector looking for money, I, I didn't like to hear that. I'm much better the guys that disappeared and then, you know, I'd have to track them down and throw them in jail. <laughs> now, so when you say on, should I be scared? Then you're right. It becomes on the question to people in, in the kingdom is, 
how comfortable are you having all of your data transactions and movements being completely visible to the tax authorities? Mm -hmm. And if you are absolutely fine with that and very confident in the quality of your data and the systems that it links through and the results you're getting, then fantastic, halas, no need to worry. If there is any doubt about the way you report or the transactions you're involved in, then then of course, yes, you know, would you want that to be seen? Yeah. So, so I guess I guess what that means, Elliot, is is you you really can't hide from the data, right? Like in in, in some scenarios, you can imagine uh, an, an inspector comes in and it's you know tax authority 1.0 potentially, and I haven't been doing things correctly. You know, I have the ability to to, to nuance the conversation. Um, and, and kind of go from there. But but if you show up and you and you or you or maybe you don't show up, I, I just get a an email or a text and says you know we we've we've uh, analyzed your 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 VAT reporting, um, or or we've we've done your VAT reporting for you, and 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 this is how much you're supposed to remit this month, um, regardless of what I've accounted for in my ledger. That's what that's what's been taken. The tax return has actually been completed. There's uh, well, there's no need for that conversation. Like it's just sort Correct. of automated. Yeah. Uh, and tax authorities, certainly in Asia Pack, um, they their risk team, their analysts will sit there. They will review year on year VAT returns and say this is twenty percent lower than last year's for your output tax. Your the VAT you're paying to us, you've got a week to explain. Otherwise, we're assessing you for the difference. Mm. So there, there is those steps that have been taken. I, I would say that this is really obvious comment, but that analysis is done on summarized uh, data. So it's based on a number, a figure that that in itself tells something. And you can say, yes, 20% more or less than the last time. But it's still a summarized number. And it, it's very difficult for tax authorities to, to really know why there's any difference. Mm. So what they can do, they can launch indeed a series of questions. Mm. But it's still based on one number that in itself doesn't, doesn't mean much. So indeed, to answer the question, it, all the data sent to the tax authorities. Mm. They have, instead of one number, they have thousands of, of, of numbers and thousands of transactions to look at. And chance of tax authorities finding something in, in that big pile of data of course, is, of course, uh, pretty high. So, so yeah, tax authorities uh, can find uh, mistakes in your data. So taxpayers have a reason to be a little bit afraid, I would say. Um, there comes a little bit more burden on, on taxpayers to make sure the data is right uh, when when the data is sent across to, to the tax authorities. And, and keep in mind that this will happen on every single transaction, on every invoice that they issue. The tax amount has to be uh, has to be correct. There's no there's no more margin for error. I, th I think that's interesting, right? And, and when you think about, <clears throat> I mean, it's not. I guess it's not even it's not even filing. The, the numbers behind the numbers, but when you think about for for those you know those those clients of ours that that have have got their minds around what e invoicing actually means, as an example, it, it's it's transactional level detail at its most granular level. Like like this is de detail that goes to the taxing authorities based on the invoices that go back and forth between suppliers and and, and customers. So the taxing authority, you know, quite rightly has all of the data. So, so they could compile a VAT return, reverse engineer it, and expect to see a payment or a remittance come in along the lines of, of, of those returns that, that they can create based on the transactional data. And, and moreover, it, as, as Elliot alluded to earlier, it's, it's not just VAT. Like I think that those are the same numbers that, that go into defining your income statement, which defines your corporate income tax return or your zakat return in, in, in Saudi and, and, and Kuwait and, and, and some other countries. So, so it really is 
you know, we're, we're really seeing taxing authorities move towards, I think, move towards um, real-time real -time reporting, right? And, and, and assessing based on that premise. Um, but do we think, like, it, you know, like what, what's our point of view on the timeline for that? Because I would imagine some people may be listening to us today are saying, <clears throat> gee, guys, that is, you know, to, to, to Elliot's point, maybe if, if, if all my hens are in a row or maybe I'm looking for some guidance, this this gives me a health check, I think, is the, is the term you used. Um, but if I'm not so sure, if I've struggled with VAT over the past couple of years, and, and a lot of people, to be fair, to the best of their abilities, have struggled in, in this part of the world. Um, you know, quite frankly, this this conversation would be terrifying to, to me to think that I'm 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 you know by by plugging into a, an e invoicing platform, I'm actually I'm actually giving the government authority access to all my transactions. I, gee, I, I better make sure that stuff is right, which I do think is a best practice. You know. Um, but but is this is this like what do we think we're talking about? Is it a year away? Is this two years away? Is this five years away? Um, so if we look at the layers or the levels that we were talking about uh, a brief moment ago, um, and when we look at e-filing to e-invoicing to maybe e-matching to e-auditing to e-assessment, and then getting to that holy grail where we do no, no longer need to submit documents, I don't think it's that long away, because there are already some examples across the world where there are countries that are already dabbling with e-auditing. There are countries that are already dabbling with e-assessments. And the two examples that I have at the, on the top of my mind is Russia already doing forms of e-audits um, off the back of invoicing data. And you know R R Russia has one of the most modern e-invoicing systems uh, in Europe. Uh, and um, they've been able to leverage that uh, you know ecosystem that they developed. And on top of that, build an e-auditing layer that allows them to get to that level four layer. And then on the final layer for e-assessments, we also understand that in Spain, they've trialed and delivered uh, forms of assessment where they can assess taxpayers without the need for returns. And so I gave you or I give you those two examples that, you know, if there are already some countries are already on that level four or five layer, then it wouldn't be remiss of me to say that maybe not too long away, other countries will be able to get to that level. So, so I guess the point I'm trying to make is that if we look at obviously implementation of e-invoicing around the world, we've often seen delays, you know, it's a, a lengthy, complicated activity. So I think the takeaway point for me is that in order for tax authorities and jurisdictions to get to that, to that, you know, that nirvana of, you know, being able to send data in real time to tax authorities without the need for tax returns, getting past the hurdle of e-invoicing successfully is the key in my opinion, because that is, I suppose, the glue or the bridge from the taxpayer to the tax authority. Once that's in place, then everything else around that can then be built on top of that to get to that future state. Okay, so so I think I think that's starting to I think that's starting to formulate. I think we're starting to sort of see what what uh, 3.0 we'll, we'll call it is starting to mean or, or, or could mean um, in, in in this region in, in particular. Uh, but we the conversation as it always does it, it naturally gravitates towards towards e-invoicing um, yeah so 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 why don't we why don't we leave it there guys for for today um as always uh gr great conversation i think around 3.0 and we're going to pick up i think in our next uh our next podcast specifically about e-invoicing because i do think that that is probably a topic that warrants uh, a session in, in and of itself i know i know we've hinted at pieces of it and, and inevitably stumbled into it today which which 
you know, organically makes sense. But let's let's do another session and talk specifically about it. But for today, why don't we leave this one there? Um, as I think we've 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 introduced the concept anyway of of three point oh.